This show is brought to you by Bridge Up. Money, money, money. It's so funny in a rich man's world. Yes, we're talking about revenue. More specifically, the importance of revenue. In today's episode of Revenue Decoded, we'll cover the A to Z's of getting revenue through the door and how to implement a continuous revenue stream for your SaaS company. So pump up the volume as we dive deep into the revenue ocean. Hi everyone and welcome to the Revenue Decoded podcast. In this episode, Benjamin Matthew, co-founder of SaaS Industry, has a virtual sit-down with not one, but two of the co-founders of ShakeDeal, Akshay Hegde and Santosh Reddy. ShakeDeal is a B2B supply chain and commerce company which aims to be India's largest B2B bulk sourcing online marketplace for industrial goods, supplies and raw materials. Today, Ben uncovers Akshay and Santosh's respective entrepreneurial journeys and how they found each other and eventually went on to start ShakeDeal. Enjoy the show. Hey, Akshay. Hey, Santosh. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ben. Thank you. Thanks hi, for having, having us. Yeah, hi, Ben. <laughs> Thanks for having us. I, I know that you guys kind of got in touch with both of us <laughs> at the start. <laughs> that was kind of fun uh, to know that, you know, you guys got in touch with both of us, but like happy to be here, yeah. We're, we're super thrilled that we could have both of you on the same show and I didn't have to do two separate shows, you know, so that's really good. good um, but yeah, saves time as well. Yeah. Awesome. So guys, um, uh, just for the listeners sake, I would love to hear about um, the genesis of Shake Deal, how you guys met together and how you kind of like uh, got together to put together Shake Deal as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just to give a quick overview, uh, Shake Deal was started in 2016, January. And it's uh, kind of interesting how, you know, we kind of met. Um, mm. So I started my career. I'm, I'm basically a technology guy. Uh, and anyone at Shake Deal, yep. I take care of technology. I was with Mindtree for quite a few years. And yep. um, and I'd, I'd been... I was there in US as well, so where I used to work with this, uh, you know, Fortune 500 kind of companies. And interestingly, you know, most of my experience there was about, uh, you know, setting up operations, setting up technology for the companies there, right? So, and right from, you know, after my engineering days, uh, there's always been this nagging thought of, you know, working with startups, starting up something, right? So. And that was the right, intention right. of me coming back from the U.S. as well. And then um, once I came back, I started working with a few startups, right? Because I've been working with enterprises. So I wanted to know how the startups work here. So I started consulting for startups. And luckily for me, at that time, there were not many good technology guys, <laughs> you know, who were <laughs> available for startups, right? So uh, even as consultants for that, that matter. Um, and then I, I kind of grabbed that opportunity and I worked with a few IoT related startups, media related startups, where I helped them build the entire technology stack. And, um, wow. and, and after that, you know, uh, so this went on for like a couple of years. And that is mm -hmm. when I used to attend all these meetups, right? So uh, all these co-founder meetups and technology meetups, looking for interesting ideas, interesting people to collaborate with and um like that and that is when uh, i met with akshay right so it was in a co-founder event um so where it was almost like a speed dating setup 
<laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, so there, <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was kind of uh, cool to see that Bangalore had something like that, like yeah. a speed dating thing. And uh, you nice. know, that was when you know, I I myself had gotten back from the states when me and my brother Akash were twins and uh, you know co-founders as well. So oh nice, uh, he's not on this call, but like uh, we were discussing ideas about uh, you know the B two B space because you know our family comes from that background where we're in the mm-hmm. MRO or the industrial goods sector, yeah. and uh, thinking about the pain points that you know we've faced and we see that you know it's pro- it's it's pretty much a common pain point across you know a lot of these MSMEs out there in India, uh, yeah. and at the same time you know while I was in the US one of the things that we noticed or I noticed and then I got talking with Santosh Akash. Is as a as a problem statement, what what they had and what we did is basically you know an entire channel, uh, e channel or e distribution channel for various goods that seemingly are not consumer oriented, right? Right. And that got to uh, this entire you know uh, be the genesis of this uh, venture, and then uh, since then we've gone from strength to strength, yeah. learned from the market, and you know more defined our uh, offering, and you know now I think we're in a very good space. Nice. So, so in a nutshell, what does Shake Deal do? So, Shake Deal is a, a B2B supply chain uh, and commerce company. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a full stack uh, uh, platform, procurement platform that takes care of all uh, upstream and downstream procurement functions. Okay. So, that involves sourcing, uh, procure to pay, contract management to an extent. Uh, spend analysis yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know rewards and recognition so uh, that that part of it as well nice and um, how do companies like um, uh, b2b companies engage with you like um, I know we were talking earlier and you were saying that a lot of enterprise level companies come and work with you yeah. but, uh, what's the modus operandi for them to come and engage with you right See, if you look at B2B companies itself, right? So, uh, like you rightly pointed out, there are two segments. One is, you know, uh, SMEs or SME, uh, SMEs and then the large enterprises, right? Now, right. for SMEs, we have our portal, which is shakedeal.com, where any, you know, small business or medium business can come, log in. They will see all industrial supplies or whatever their business would need, right? Be it office supplies, cleaning supplies, uh, anything related to industrial supplies, be it safety, um, tools, you know, tools, yeah, tools, everything, right? So, and then one, because we are a B2B portal, so they don't really have to worry about, let's say, you know, their invoices being GST compliant, um, mm. so that all the invoices through shakedeal.com are all GST compliant, right? So, so basically, I think... Uh, what helps them is, you know, uh, they have a one-stop solution, one-stop shop for all that, you know, uh, maintenance, repair, and operations functions. So they can buy it from a host of categories online. And uh, that was for the SMBs, SMBs or the SMEs, right? And then large enterprises require a more nuanced uh, offering for which we have our entire, you know, uh, suite of products, like I mentioned, for the upstream and the downstream portions of uh, mm-hmm. you know, procured or the procurement function. And then the, after you procure, obviously, there's the supply chain or the post-purchase operations, uh, the visibility, the tracking. So all of that is then provided for the large enterprises. Right. 
and you basically consolidated all the all the uh, providers together. We try and consolidate as much yeah. spend as possible to get as much of the wallet share from these large enterprises. The SMEs, obviously, uh, by default, because they don't have the pricing power, they end up uh, coming to us for a huge amount of uh, purchase. Uh, but the large enterprises nowadays have also started like uh, switching strategically to uh, uh, aggregators like us, yeah. and uh, you know, taking taking our uh, or adopting our products. See, post COVID, I think one after uh, 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 rather what COVID has done is that even the large enterprises to an extent have realized that you know aggregators are very much necessary in this space, right? So yeah. Instead of dealing with, let's say, hundreds and thousands of vendors, which is typically mm-hmm. the case in the case of an enterprise, right? They, they have realized that, you know, they need a strategic partner in the space. Yeah. So right? I, some realize of the things savings. that, Santosh, you remember? Some yeah. of the data that we were sifting through, like, you know, year, year, and, a go, year and a half ago when COVID hit. Yeah. They were, they were vendor codes going into like thousands of, you know, digits. I mean, like, <laughs> that's the number of vendors that were actually there in the system. And right. And these are like the long tail vendor base. Yeah. So we, we kind mm-hmm. of happen to, uh, uh, you know, see how the, the entire tide is changing. And, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, accelerated effort to, yeah. to digitize and, you know, try and uh, have a, a digital first aggregator uh, to enable them to like, you know, uh, firstly digitize their supply chain and at the same time streamline it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you mentioned it that uh, post pandemic there was a there was a drastic shift in the way that things uh, operate. But um, uh, traditionally, enterprises are very difficult to change because they're just such big machines moving. You know, to 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 come and have a change in the way they operate is is, is traditionally really really yeah. difficult. Uh, absolutely. absolutely, you hit the you. I think that's one of the biggest. It is the biggest challenges when you're working with large enterprises. Right. It is, right. So because they have certain set processes in mind and it's not, you know, they're kind of very change averse, <laughs> right? So because it involves Correct. a lot of players to get in. Inertia uh, changes quite a bit. And uh, I think that's where one of the, uh, you know, the USPs, uh, as we would like to put it, of ours comes mm-hmm. in. I think yeah. Santosh can, you know, shed some light on that. Yeah. So like, like I was talking about, right? So when it comes to large enterprises, there are, you know, a few critical factors which they look at before they want to change anything in the system, right? Correct. One is, you know, how if I'm partnering with something or mm-hmm. if I'm using a particular product or a service, how quickly can I go to the market, right? So which is one yeah. of the biggest questions. And second thing is, you know, during this process, it's very, very important that their normal day-to-day operations are not compromised. Right. In the sense that right. there's no uh, any delay or it should not affect their n- normal day to day operations at all. And third mm. and most important factor is the meeting the necessary SLS, because, you know, we are talking about large enterprises where, you know, they have huge plants and uh, their customers and uh, things like that. Right. Their compliances so, will be a nightmare, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So. Uh, I mean, if you have to put it in a nutshell, it's mainly basically, you know, how we were able to solve those, you know, kind of initial, uh, what do you say, hiccups when it comes to talking to large enterprises is basically we built almost kind of a plug and play infrastructure, right? Our core, um, 
right? So for us to ensure that we are able to ramp up with the customer or with the enterprises as soon as possible, right? right. First thing. Right. And second thing is when we talk about enterprises, I mean, there'll be a lot of integrations, right? Be it compliance, <laughs> be it their ERP systems, be it their data sources. And some of them are really legacy systems or what we're yep. talking about, right? And yep. for us, it's very, very important to ensure that, you know, we pass through those hurdles of those integrations as well. And it, it's it's very important for us to do that as well because once we are able to deeply integrate into a particular client, it's almost kind of a lock-in system for us. And it becomes a right. seamless experience. You know, it, it because becomes we, a, we're not yeah. just the, the the software layer where, you know, we integrate the systems, they get, uh, they don't, not necessarily now any of the teams are working in silos, so they, they get a unified dashboard, a single source of truth. But at the same time, there's an entire supply chain layer of fulfillment as well that's involved. And that is like a huge value add to companies right now, especially when they're dealing with uh, a huge amount of indirect spend. Yeah. Large enterprises do end up having, uh, you know, hundreds of crores of, you know, indirect spend. And indirect spend, uh, I'm sorry if I'm not uh, mentioned or defined this before. Indirect spend kind of happens to be what I, whatever hasn't gone into the cost of goods of the product, but it's mm-hmm. kind of required for like the maintenance, the repair, and the normal the, operation. Yeah, the normal day-to-day operations of the of the enterprise. And right. that happens to be a large uh, you know, problem area because it, it ends up being small spends, but uh, varied across a huge vendor base, which then amounts to quite a bit. And that's a problem area. So most companies now we've started seeing it. They, they go after the strategic side. Uh, they, they go after the uh, direct procurement side uh, in-house with, you know, uh, as a strategic uh, initiative. And the the this indirect side of the spectrum, which is... Uh, where we are the experts, yeah. we come in there. And uh, and with that, they've started trusting us for their more semi, semi-direct. semi And, you know, so we also start moving up the spectrum. So revenues, uh, you know, keep yeah. growing. And, and that's where we are different from a vendor, right? So we are more like a strategic partner to them rather yeah. than, you know, just dealing with the vendor. With all our Correct. solutions. It's not, it's not use and dispose for them, right? It's, it's exactly. more of... Yeah. Yeah, it's a long-term relationship. Yeah, partnership Absolutely. I think, will be the best. We way work very closely with them to understand their needs, their technology, be it the technology needs or be it their visibility needs, be it their you know fulfillment needs, whatever it is, right? So they'll right. work very closely with us so that you know um, we can develop the necessary solutions and then we ensure that you know we meet those SLAs what the client is. Right. All right. So um, I just want to take two steps back. Um, we, you guys spoke about how you met in that event right but um was there like uh i'm sure you spoke about ideas you've crashed uh, a, a lot of things in your genesis and in, in the journey as you built the product to what it is today um and there would have been a lot of pivots i mean pivoting is part of the process of being a startup so if anybody says they don't pivot i mean i have i mean i raise an eyebrow yeah. so <laughs> there has definitely been pivots but yeah um could you tell us the story of how you guys actually came about of saying that, you know, uh, this is a problem that's worth solving and this is something that we we really think um, we want to do and why you're passionate about solving that? Yeah. See, okay, probably I'll, I'll start off. See, uh, going back to that event, right? So there were a lot of these business people who were there who were present at that event. Right. Um, 
who used to pitch their ideas but um, you know but there was no clarity of the problem statement or what they were trying to solve right so it's just that mm. you know they had a personal idea which they wanted to solve and 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 it's mostly you know building on top of that but with akshay it was kind of slightly different because he had actually seen all those problems which were faced by the distribution channels in the b2b space because he uh, you know akshay and akash themselves have a family business related to power tools and right. they had seen it firsthand so they know the problems firsthand right so and the, it was very very articulate in terms of what are the kind of problems we want to solve in that that particular space right and the more and more we discussed about it and i could understand because i i you know came from a technology background you right came from technology every background, business yeah. was almost kind of the same i if there was a problem to be solved i can probably come up with how that can be solved but what is required is that you know deep insights about what the problem statement is how right. many people are actually what is the target market and how a technology can help solve those problems right so there these these were very well articulated and that's when as in when we uh, started speaking more about this we could see that you know there's a clear use case uh, of a problem statements there for us to solve and that's when we started off uh, uh, with uh, shakedeal.com yeah i think he's put it uh, he's put it across pretty well one of the things right. that was we were clear with upfront was like the target audience the target markets or the market size who our potential customer would be within say an enterprise or you know a large enterprise uh, mm mm-hmm. and what is the kind of solution that we're kind of like offering or what is the pre- uh, problem statement that we're solving for right uh, it's basically enabling commerce right correct but uh when commerce when when you say commerce commerce is very closely linked to the supply chain yeah and Agreed. uh when you come from there uh what we saw and what uh we've witnessed abroad like all of us were uh outside india and then we've seen that you know there were business models out there that actually enable uh the e distribution as an aspect there was an mro aggregator over there uh those kind of things were lacking in india and mm-hmm. as a, as the market progresses uh, you know the best uh, the best models out there will eventually come to india and one of the things that obviously we saw that there was lacking in india but at the same time bringing it to india also had to uh, had had you had to you know customize your offering to india because it's india is a very nuanced country yeah correct so just something so. that works over there like an uber or cannot be uh, you know replicated over here as is It, it has to have its own set of changes, set of iterations before you come out I, with it. I I can take an example. So probably now we know about GST and GST compliant invoices and all that, right? So, but yeah. when we started Shake Deal, that was one of a problem statement for us because the vendors were the the kind of invoices what they used to get they were not tax compliant. GST came in much later, yeah. right? Right. So yeah, and, and, and now it has helped. there was a whole era of you know vat and cst, CST. they used to give a c form right. where you know instead of having the uh, the you get a concessional rate when you provide Correct. a c form so uh, yep. so we had solved all this right so this was one of the problem statements so before gst itself the people who used to interact with shake deal or who were the buyers of from shake deal they used to get compliant invoices they used to get compliant c forms filled right. and so that you know they had no issues in claiming those tax benefits yeah right obviously you know gsst has helped you know solve this problem to a 
much deeper Large level, extent, so to say, yeah. it's much more easier now. But earlier, this was not the case. And this was one of the use cases, you know, why we felt um, Shake Deal was required. And there were, you know, quite a few other use cases as well. Right? Yeah, so almost every, of, with every, uh, you know, inroad into the market, when I say market, it's just violence uh, to this industry. Yeah. We kind of got a little more uh, reinforcement that, you know, our problem statements that we've kind of hypothesized they are actually indeed what the market is kind of needing and uh, we can sense it. Right. Now, um, I mean, while you were giving me that example, I, I thought of another example, which is very common man example, which I think since both of you have been abroad, you'd, you'd relate to it to a larger extent, um, which is how uh, fast foods have to adopt in India's palate. Right, and Absolutely. they have that spice and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the nuances that actually I think it's uh, it's 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 a good parallel that you've yeah. drawn. Yeah, and uh, it's it's very similar to something like you know, a lot yeah. of the startups do take inspirations from stuff that's happened outside, but it really requires its own nuanced uh, you know changes approach for India, and the approach has to be more specific and you know curated. Sure. Yeah. I think that's something that most international companies find very difficult to do because they come with a one size fits all attitude initially and then realize, oh, no, this isn't working and then tries to change and adapt and, you know, all the other things. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into that. That's a, that's a <laughs> totally <laughs> different topic, yeah. right? It's a Pandora's box in itself. <laughs> um, uh, but okay, I, I want to come back to revenue because this is the revenue decoded show, and I want to kind of like uh, dive or delve into how um, you guys uh, uh, monetize this and uh, got revenue going, and how important revenue is as as a factor, as a matter of fact, right in the early days, right? Uh, yeah. I'm sure when you started, you didn't have hundred companies. I mean, a hundred clients and all of that. You start with one, and mm -hmm that onboarding process of getting your second, third, fourth, and until I'm sure you had a, a, a target. It could be 10 companies because your B2Bs, you know, number of companies is less, but your, um, you have a target goal in terms of revenue, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How you met that. If you can just walk uh, the listeners through that journey, that would be awesome. Sure. So uh, Ben, like, uh, just like most of the startups who like, you know, first trying to get their names out there, we did a lot of, you know, SEO and SEM in order to first acquire the, uh, or, you know, acquire our first set of customers. Now, right. the, with, this got us entered into some fairly large enterprise customers where they were trying us out for various supplies of theirs. But we okay. then started participating more deeper uh, with the industry. And we did this via conferences, webinars, uh, seminars, and so on. Uh, mm -hmm. Now that allowed us to gain uh, or increase the depth of our partnerships and engage with the customers on a much larger scale. So mm -hmm. we went from strength to strength. So uh, how we progressed was like, obviously the, uh, we've got around 10,000 SME customers right now, but mm -hmm. at the same time, we've got like three, 400 large enterprises as well as our customers. So right. we kept an eye out on both of them, though at right. certain point we realized that, you know, uh, in order to stretch our dollar, it was better to go after one of them uh, with, it, with with a larger focus. Yeah, and that's why that's why we went after larger enterprises with a lot more focus because uh, basically your lifetime value to your customer acquisition cost that ratio is much better when you go right. after large enterprises. 100%. And you don't have to be doing that. Uh, you know, you don't have to keep 
putting in the effort to make that sale again and again, yep. you can get your uh, assured revenues uh, aligned on upfront because they usually have uh, a predictable amount of spend. And with that, you can like lock in ARCs, which are annual rate contracts, which then, yep. you know, takes care of that recurring bit of revenue. Right. So, right. I, but onboarding them will be a total pain. Yeah. So let me, uh, I have a small story on that. Yeah. So if you, uh, I mean, if I go back to my early days, right? So it was very interesting. So our office was in care market, right? Because okay. that was a hub of industrial supplies at that time. And uh, when we started Shake Deal, it was just, you know, the, the technology was still being built, right? So we didn't have a website and, you know, where people could transact and things like that. Mm. So mm. what we used to do, what our team used to do, we had some, you know, a couple of very good uh, sales come operations at that time, you know, everyone used to. Everyone does everything. Had, depending <laughs> on what the situation is, right? So yep. we were sitting in that, uh, you know, market office and anyone who used to come looking for a particular requirement or something like that. And some people we used to give them our cards and our sales guys used to do that. And they used to call, right? So, saying that right. we need this. Do you? So our people used to go in the market, right? Because we had mm. our vendor base. We were still building our vendor base, right? So right. there were people who used to go sign up vendors and things like that. And then used to go to the market, yeah, pick yeah. up the rates and then, you know, Collated. send collate it and send it via email to our customers right so, so it was right. all canvassing uh feed on street the hard way you know uh carpet bombing the entire market for uh sourcing the right stuff and getting the best prices out there first obviously that was the original uh you know that that was the essence of what we're doing yeah. the only thing was to like digitize it make it better make it more efficient that was product discovery yeah, that was Absolutely. product discovery yeah. and the need, right? So yeah. it all started from there. And uh, like Santosh was mentioning, right? As an example, I think that's one of the uh, best ways of how we started. Now, so you've got to understand we're a marketplace, so it's two-sided. And the way we went about doing it is first building, the, su building the supply side. Yeah. And right. um, that's possibly, uh, a, I, I mean, like so far, most marketplaces do it that way. But uh, for us, it was a strategic choice to do. Because mm -hmm. the market has its own depths and, you know, when you have your site ready, since it was already in uh, production and it was getting built, you right. wanted to have a, a backend a supplier base that's strong enough such that any customer coming there uh, is not falling off uh, thinking that he can't get what he wants over here. So that was one right. of the things that we, we ensured that we got the supply side on uh, sorted up front. Yeah. And for that, it required like, you know, this hardcore on street uh you know work around with uh and then finding the real crux of the problem which we then ended up digitizing throughout yeah it took almost like three four months so until then you know our team used to just do that right so answer calls answer emails collate mm -hmm. um you know look for the vendors what we have collated so far find the best rates out of them it was mainly manual process uh for right. almost for a good three four months and after that we did a soft launch with uh, you know all the customers uh, mm -hmm. where who had interacted in some way with us and then right. after that is when all this you know we went uh, pan india we built you know vendors um, in all the major you know marketplaces you can when i say marketplaces i'm talking about in the physical clusters. yeah industry yep. industrial yep. clusters right so there start start getting those vendor details 
and that's how we went from almost zero to you know ten thousand vendors in our wow <laughs> wow so yeah i mean you said you have more about twenty ten thousand um smes already on um in in that right um of course, the, I don't want to touch the enterprise side of it because enterprises, like you said, are more predictable because they, they're large machines when they difficult to crack into them. But once you get in, you're on and, you know, their lifetime values are much longer. Um, with the SMEs, um, they're much easier to onboard, um, much less uh, of a hassle. But you don't have that um, assurance that they're going to be with you for the next eight months, you know, with recurring orders. So uh, how did you guys like decide or at what point do you say, you know what, we need to now go after enterprises and, you know, let's, or, or did, did an enterprise just randomly come and ask you guys whether you do something? Uh, how did that, that, that transition happen? That's what I'm trying to understand. I'm assuming here that you went with SMEs first, so you can correct me there also. You were, you were, you were, you were right. You're right. We went with SMEs first and it's a good question because uh, there was a point, there definitely was a point. Uh, right. It's when we started realizing that, you know, the type of sales that you do in your business model is really important, uh, especially when, you know, you're, you're lean, you're bootstrapped and so on, because mm -hmm. that's what we, at one point we were bootstrapped. Right. And what we realized was that, you know, uh, what are the metrics that we were looking, looking at? We were looking at the customer acquisition costs that we had, what right. kind of, you know, revenues used to come post acquiring a customer, yeah. what was mm -hmm. the repeat business? Uh, what percentage of the business was repeat? How much was new business? Right. Uh, what was the activity rate? Like how active were those users? And yep. you know how often they were using a product? Like what, so, we've got certain events within our product, and you know how how often they use it. It gives us you know uh, the nature of the customer. So yep. when we started tracking these uh, these metrics, we realized that you know for the same sort of effort. Uh, there's there's a lot more ROI that you can get if you target the larger enterprises, right. because data was saying the same thing, and that's right. when you know we consultantly made a call to you know, target or focus uh, more towards the large enterprises. Yeah, which and, give, which then gave us you know kind of predictable revenue, uh, because it, it enabled us to like you know close a sale, use that as a uh, Almost like a CS customer acquisition for us, right? Yeah. That, so you close a sale once, and then yep. the next sale that you make is only going to add to that revenue. So it's like a step function growth. And then depending on how aggressive you want to be, right? Uh, you can uh, increase the size of those steps. Yeah. Right. Got it. A lot of matrices that you guys are following, and you you were talk doing that right at the beginning itself. It's it's. I mean, there are companies that are extremely data-driven and metrics-driven. Uh, there are companies that will start and say, we'll see how it goes and then start doing the, the data collection at a later point in time. Let's get some, you know, let's get the ball rolling, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are the metrics that you really looked out for uh, when growing sales and revenue? And um, when did you start measuring, ideally? I mean, do you have a, a point where you know that, you know, now we need to start measuring what was the yeah. story behind that? So one of the things that initially, like when you're first acquiring your customers, you you certainly like to know what your customer acquisition cost has ended up because you've hypothesized something in all your financial models, you've done something. And then you you, you see in reality that it's it's completely different. So 
uh, that was one thing that usually worse been, than what you what yeah, you much, <laughs> much, much, worse much worse. I mean, you you won't realize you know how off you were until you yeah. start looking at the, that data, right? So yeah, exactly. That wishful thinking that founders have initially. Yeah, I mean, like that will debug very very quickly if you start looking at the data. True, true. So uh, that's one thing that you need to like you know adjust for very early. Uh, so that was something that we kept a keen eye on. The other one okay. was like you know. Uh, the revenue that we were able to earn for each, you know, rupee of expense or each dollar of expense. Now that is something from a primarily because we always wanted to build our uh, startup in a way that's sustainable, and right. we've been always capital efficient that way. And that has happened because we paid close attention to this from yeah. day one. And mm-hmm. there are ways in which we've enabled this to happen. It's not just paying close attention. I mean, there's one thing is first. It's you don't relearn everything. You try and use the industry knowledge that you have. So you hire right. If you hire right from peers, competitors, yeah, you reduce your learning curves. You advance the amount of knowledge transfer that happens, uh, and you you get an easy access to the clients because they've probably dealt with those clients at some point, yeah. and that enables like a slower burn because then your customer acquisition cost comes down. And also the you know the automation aspects of it, right? Which at that point was kind of very, very underrated, so to say. Uh, Most of the things which were done manually could be automated in some way or the other. And that's when our entire ops tech infrastructure came into picture. We started realizing that, you know, if we can integrate with more and more players, if we can give them that visibility through the data, because we could see that once we started looking at the data, the kind of insights it gave us was, um, you know, like, almost it, it it made you jump out of the chair. So those kind of insights, right? So we realized that if we could do that uh, for our clients, for our customers uh, as well, so there's a great, that'd be a great value add. And we started that very early. And like Akshay was talking about, I think one of the things which differentiates us from our competitors uh, uh, basically is our, you know, um, is our close the way we look at unit economics so to say we are very very aware of uh you know of of building a sustainable company right so we we realized very early that you know there's no point in you know just throwing money out to get the growth what we are looking for uh it, it had to make sense because even though that kind of can give you that initial set of growth but then it's not sustainable and if it's not sustainable you are hurting a lot of people including your clients right so yeah, correct and, and this the clients also started understanding it yeah i think most of the clients in this space are now mature because they've gone through two or at least two cycles of uh, you know uh, dealing with uh, uh, a new age kind of concept which in, which is where we are you know we, we are at the we're basically pivotal in that uh, you know, in a sense that we are actually the second set of companies that have come out with the same philosophy, but this time around the the approach is more nuanced and uh, it, it, it seems to be more entrenched yeah. uh, within the system as well. So, just coming back to some of the metrics that we we track uh, once we've onboarded the customer and all that. So, some of the things we obviously do is we do pride ourselves on being able to give savings to the customer. So, we do manage two to four percent savings. Uh, to their, you know, to their entire spend. So we reduce their spend base by that much. What we also do is we track something called OTIF, which is on time in full. So we have high OTIF levels. Uh, our OTIF levels uh, last quarter was like greater than 95%. Uh, 
and then because this is uh, because you know like we mentioned earlier our focus has been large enterprises one of the things that they do track uh, religiously is pr to po cycle which tends to be like a, a, a an indication of how efficient their uh, you know procured basis cycle is so we are able mm-hmm. to bring that down considerably got it now um you mentioned that you bootstrapped right from uh the early days was all bootstrapped um and then i think it was 2018 you guys went and uh you raised funding if i'm not mistaken yes correct yeah 2018 is when we partnered with this us based p bora ventures and since then you know uh we've all been like co-founders promoters uh trying to like you know make the make this company uh grow and i believe right you know At, at present, at an ARR of forty four hundred and twenty crores, and with a close eye on profitability, uh, with fairly modest burn, I think uh, I think the team uh, has done a great job. Yeah, I think um, that's one of the factors when we talk about funding as well, right? So it, it's it's with whom do you partner? I think that plays a very very crucial role, uh, especially in the early stages of your company, right? So. if the investors are not aligned to your vision or if they don't act like you know one single team there can be a lot of uh, you know disconnects there can be a lot of pivots because we are looking at a long term we know where exactly we want to go and we need that support to get there right it might not happen in let's say 3 months 6 months time but with the vision we can definitely get there right if not now probably 2 years from now um so with that with that aspect i think uh, our our investors have been very very like like akshay was talking about uh we are almost like a one one team right so we are almost like a promoter team that's that's about it we don't see them as investors we don't treat them as investors and um that's how we are and that that in fact has been one of the factors which has helped us you know in in having this consistent growth uh, as well as this you know not losing sight on where we want to go right 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 now um was there a fundamental point or reason why you said okay i want we need to go and raise funds at this point in time what is what is the drive to say that okay we, because y- you started the company with the baseline uh principle of saying we have to be sustainable which means yeah. be as revenue positive as possible all or i mean right right from day one but where is it that you said okay uh we need or why is it that you you said um you know we need to be um we need to go and raise funds yeah so um it's again another good question ben but uh you see that uh, this is a fairly ambitious uh i guess uh enterprise that we were going after it was uh it has gotten a huge target market mm-hmm. and in order to be able to scale uh, your offering penetrate the market uh increase your revenues you know ship out the products the tech products that you want them to have now that we've got the full stack built initially it wasn't that way but then there is no one out there in india who is doing something that a kupa and an alibaba can do except for shaky now that uniqueness has has happened only because we've been at that at one point we ended up saying that you know i think we need the uh, external funds to do this and mm-hmm. i think that that decision has been um good in hindsight and at the same time i don't think 
this is a com- this kind of business model would have worked without say external funding i mean there are business models that you can bootstrap all the way and and the market also kind of played its role right in the sense that uh, as when we were started operating and very short time after that we saw demonetization happen and yeah, a lot yes. of businesses were affected by it and everyone so we were trying to kind of democratize the entire sourcing for businesses so that they can adopt this technology um like like we said earlier right so we were actually going after smes at that point in time and uh, because of demonetization uh, demonetization there were a lot of you know questions about even for businesses right how it's going to sustain and that time was very hard for us very difficult for us as well right for our team for us uh in ensuring that because everyone wanted to wait and watch uh to see what happened the market and, yeah. and we kind of you know got back from that you know uh we we went we went past that and then we started you know standing again and very shortly after that as when i think uh, the even there was noises about gst yeah uh, i think it, right? was, <laughs> it was all one after the other you know it was like uh, a barrage of uh, <laughs> uh you know hurdles that came our way the, the and... factors which we couldn't foresee or <laughs> something like that which came in and then yeah. like akshay was also talking about we could realize that you know we had a pmf sort of right uh, with our product being uh you know the what businesses want but then we wanted to take it to the next level and we were like i said you know we were looking for a right kind of a partner and then uh, thankfully you know we were able to find got that. one yeah. yeah so scaling i mean I'll, i and if if i narrow it down to a singular word it'll be scaling and that's scaling, yeah. no absolutely you're right yeah yeah absolutely yeah. okay cool um in hindsight do you think uh, you would do anything different i mean we've often discussed this in hindsight there are a lot of steps i mean to be honest sometimes me akash and santosh joke around saying that you know first time entrepreneurs are foolish so i mean that's with all due respect to them because they're passionate and they're they're ambitious and they have a vision and so on and so forth but then the harsh reality is that you know uh prudence and rationality needs to kind of in business that needs to you know take a higher point than uh, any of the other things that drive uh, an entrepreneur and uh, i mean that's like a, a you know a high level view of uh, why we would definitely have changed uh, quite a few things that we have done but if right. we had to like name a few i mean in my opinion i would say that we wouldn't have concentrated so hard on the sme portion up front Uh, right. but then you know we it would have taken us longer to probably convince ourselves that we had a pms yeah so these are all the things you know which you can only think about in hindsight right but i think in some way or the other whatever the journey we have gone through probably would have helped us in some way so it's 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 kind of very very difficult to point out that way but yes certainly you know uh, the first time entrepreneurs i think that's that's how you know we learn as well right so uh you know that making mistakes not not exactly you know you can't pinpoint on a certain thing specifically saying that okay this i could have done it differently it's just that the entire experience would have taught you so much that you know when you look at something how how you want to do it differently or or how you want to do it efficiently right one of the things i feel like you know in my my personal opinion because now that we we do that a lot we use industry knowledge we learn from peers uh we reduce the you know our uh learning curves to an extent where you know it's we literally 
are uh, we can hit the ground running from day one whenever we hire people whenever we, you know we we go into a new space yeah. or a new area um, i i hope that we could have started doing that from day one but then again mm-hmm. there was no one to tell us at that day one that you know <laughs> this is how you are able to like get ahead of the competition get yeah. out there and you know be say go for pole position right right yeah makes sense both. i mean yeah i mean looking hindsight is I mean, it's not always a good idea but i mean I, I, everyone learns i mean absolutely our experiences are what teach us right ultimately and uh, and i think that's a, a big aspect of it uh, in in entrepreneurship because a lot of things we do which we don't really know how to do it and then we have to figure it out after saying okay i'll do it so um yeah doing hindsights on those are not really the best thing in the world absolutely i think i think akshay you know put it very rightly right so probably one of the things is because of all this experience what we have gained over the years uh, we could if we think about something you know now we could probably hit the ground running much quicker than what we did earlier oh yeah definitely yeah definitely yeah totally get that right um i i mean it's it's a funny question to ask i'm not so sure it it, it applies to you guys but um uh as a bootstrap company there are times when you've gone and you've had severe cash crunches and you're like okay we need to shut down because even that thought really came in or uh you're waiting on a deal it just it saved you right yeah um those kind of moments did you guys have any of those as you grew uh initially when we were bootstrapped yes but since we partnered with uh you know what ventures never yeah. but yeah i'm talking about the bootstrap, bootstrap. yes because yes. like santosh mentioned right there was a couple of times that i'm telling you i mean even when we were talking to a couple of vcs out there uh during that period of time one of the things that they wanted to say uh, do is like you know wait and watch how gst plays out how demo plays out and these these were like you know happening and these happened in quick successions yeah. and before you know you could even recoup whatever you had the run rate uh, the arr that you were running at before it happened um the next one happened so these were times that were kind of difficult because mm-hmm. obviously for us it's bootstrap so you're waiting for your uh, cash to cash cycle to complete before you can make the payroll and so on and so forth unless you're going to be investing and there was a burn there was a slight burn up front as yeah. well yeah so, yeah we did face uh, oh, we, had, we had we had we had quite a few instances like yeah. that right but so. but i think what one one thing we were clear of is like you know we're going to keep trying and we're not mm. going to uh, quit yeah. fail and i think uh, that's one more thing i what i think i realized in business um even though i've just had like say 7 8 years worth of experience so far is right. in business what's important is hindi mein bolte tikna so agar crease pe tik sakta then you can you have a shot at making a century you know if you don't okay. if you're not able to stick around then it's difficult so that's that itself is a big thing yeah and and i i i think at this point we have to uh you know thank our team as well at that point in time who are very very understanding in terms of what you're going through um and and most of us are still there with us uh, as we speak wow right? yeah, we, that we, initial team was so you know the kind of effort what they put in the kind of understanding they had for shake deal was you know great in the sense that wow. that kind of also helped us 
right get so us here get well. us get us where we are right now right so if there was a slight you know misunderstandings or something like that you never know especially when you internally feel that push right you what mm. you need is that supportive you know ecosystem around you right if right. not it's very right. easy to fold up i think that's where you know beat our family or our employees mainly were you know our, our team mainly was very very helpful in that aspect so i, I want to wrap up with one final question basically um it's a little future and i mean looking into the future but also with things that are happening um of late right with uh, the whole um um uh, funding winter as 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 they calling uh-huh. it right yeah um so the, a lot of apprehensions to say that okay we don't want to give away our equity at this point in time we want to uh we want to raise funds in various other ways right um would would all of this have let's assume that uh during 2018 and you are searching would and 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 the market scenario was similar to this mm-hmm. would you have uh reconsidered to go and get funding as an equity funding or would you still have done that or would you look at alternatives that were there in the market uh so see uh, you're right in a way that you know if the market isn't conducive to like raising an equity round you could have probably looked at alternative forms but one of the things that we realized for ourselves right from our perspective was uh because a lot of the technology stack uh, still needed you know uh to be built up for us right. to be truly full stack we did need some of the a lot of uh, you know influx of uh equity capital or risk capital to be able to build that uh which then completes our solution then go up while the revenues were pouring in because uh trade was still happening through our platform but we just wanted to make it more robust right Got and uh while we could have done uh you, you, because obviously you need money for even working capital yeah uh when you're on uh, through the when businesses or trade is happening through the platform mm. we would have been able to take the route for say uh alternative forms of financing for the trade bit but for the for the development of the platform the technology stack i still believe that we would have still sided with the equity option yeah so i think i think it mainly depends on you know what stage the you know company is really right right so uh if there's if if the company has just reached mark you know pmf and then you know there's still some way to go before you start seeing a constant revenue and things like that it makes sense to you know go for kind of a equity round of fund funding mainly because you don't have a predictable revenue at that point in time right so you're looking for you know ensuring that you build your product in the right way and then you know take it to market but once right. you've done that and there is a considerable you know revenue coming in for you i think mm-hmm. now uh, especially at these times you have you know various other revenues and probably you know taking equity funding might not be a good idea for you right especially when right. the market sentiment is slightly negative and then you might have to dilute a bit more um you know for what you're getting right so if you have predictable revenue and uh, things like that uh, so there are various other options to yeah. you know uh, get the kind of funding what you will need yeah like rightly like what we could have what we would have looked at for trade earlier today we can easily look at because yeah. we've gotten a good order book uh yeah. run rate is there um so uh, we could definitely take on alternative forms of financing though we've not needed to so far yeah, right. uh, basically which basically 
um, has like PO financing, invoice discounting. They're all routes for alternative financing, sure. right? Yep. yep. Financing is a big uh, uh, part of, uh, you know, alternative financing as well. And yes. that, is, that in a way is off balance sheet financing because, uh, you know, you either discount your receivables or, you know, you get funded for the PO that you're holding or the purchase order in hand. Yep. Yep, and yep, these yep. are non-dilutive forms of, uh, you know, uh, funding. So we could probably funding, look at yeah. that you know, yeah. right now as well. And I think that's that's uh, that's a very important uh, thing out there that uh, companies can tap onto yeah. and should, mm-hmm. especially in these kind of forms, in these kind of times. But uh, I think we're happy uh, right now where we are. What's what's the future for um, Shake Deal? Uh, I mean, from <laughs> we've often discussed this. Um, one of the things that we feel is like, you know, we we feel like we've still just scratched the surface. Yeah. And because okay. we still just feel like, I mean, we still feel like we just scratched the surface. Uh, the idea is to go big. Yeah. And the, um, and for that, we do know that, you know, there's going to be a few more years of uh, struggle, uh, building out our products, taking it to the market, scaling it up. But I think uh, one of the things that we do see now is that, you know, a huge portion of our clientele is uh, approaching us for expanding our uh, relationship. And that's basically, you know, helping us grow. Right. Right. Go ahead, Santosh. No, I was I was just saying, you know, for Shake Deal, we know where we want to go. Our vision is still there. And Mm -hmm. like. Akshay rightly pointed out, we have barely scratched the surface. And we started with the vision of democratizing sourcing. Um, right. right. So even for the SMEs and things like that, I think we've just taken the first step towards it. We still have some time to go there. But we are very, very confident with the kind of team what we have and with the kind of clients what we have. You know, uh, we are but very much being, excited. Yeah, with that being said, i just like to come in here. I, I think a lot of people look at that. But, but one of the things that's immediately in focus for us is like, you know, I think turning profitable as well, because that gives you a lot of a, a big peace of mind. Yep. And I think <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. in times like this, peace of mind is uh, it's uh, I don't think you can put a value to that. <laughs> totally, totally, totally hear you. Awesome. So Santosh and Akshay, I just want to uh, I want to wrap up at this point. It's been a power pack session. We've been talking for 50 minutes and I haven't I, I didn't even really realize that. So um I want to first of all say thank you so much for taking the time to come and to get two founders out of the same company at the same time on the same show. Um, it's not every day you get to do that. So thank you so much for taking the time and the effort to come. Our thanks, pleasure, thanks, Ben. Our, our pleasure. And thanks for all the insightful questions as well, right? So it was kind of, it helped us relive our journey as well. I yeah, think it yeah. Quite <laughs> like it's, it took us uh, back. Uh, yeah, because you're so held up in your day-to-day activities in terms yeah. of, right, so... This was kind of a good uh, reminiscence of... Reminiscence, you know. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks, and thanks awesome. for that, thanks for that. Yeah. You're most welcome. Thank you so much and uh, have a good one. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, thanks. It's all about money and you get to peek into the secrets of leveraging it. If you like this podcast, then what are you waiting for? Subscribe here now and follow us on social media. Don't miss another episode. Join us next week right here on Revenue Decoded. This show is brought to you by BridgeUp.